Good morning, LCM. Good morning. Yeah. Hey, today, Sunday, May 23rd, we are at such an incredible point in our Remember Secure Sun series. Yeah! I mean, as you're doing your homework and God is making his presence, remind, he's reminding you of all the great things he has done. This is an incredible time for our church. It is revolutionary, and it's going to carry us forward into the future in some amazing ways. Look, so amazing, we want to jump right into Scripture. In less than one minute, our sermon, we are jumping right into Scripture. Isaiah 63, get there quickly. Say remember when you get there. Isaiah 63, verse 7. I will tell of the kindness of the Lord. The deeds for which he is to be praised this morning. According to all the Lord has done for us. Yes, the many good things he has done for Israel. According to his compassion and many kindnesses. Look, this verse sets the tenor for us this morning. I will tell. Or as the ESV says, I will recount. Another way to say it is, I will remember. I'll relive, recount, retell of God's deeds in my life and what he's accomplishing in this church. Do you remember the good things the Lord has done for you? Have you been chronicling them? Have you been recounting them? That ought to revive something in you. Look, we want to show you the slide of what we've covered so far. In these remembers, starting in Deuteronomy 4, 9 through 10. This was about day one. This was the starting line. I'm talking about the day that there was a spiritual birth inside of you. We're not talking about decisions. We're not talking about doctrines. We're talking about something came alive inside of you. The Bible declares that it is when you were born from above. That got translated as born again. I'm talking about the day you had a supernatural transformation. Come on, look at your neighbor and say, I've been transformed. I've been transformed. Now, if you weren't lying, then that means there was a day there was a status change in your life. There's a day when you stopped slavery and you became a son of God. I'm talking about seated at the king's table. Oh, yeah. Standing on the word of God. It's only after you've actually had a supernatural transformation. Only after you have remembered day one of your status change that you became a son. That then you go to remember number two. Then after you establish God's goodness. Then you can remember the kind of slavery that you were in. But that he brought you out. It's only then after you focus on God's goodness. That you can even think about the agony of the slavery. You can even begin to remember what it felt like to be powerless, to have no choice. Even if you wanted to do better, you couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. But there was a day one. And then we get to day two here. You were in a cage. But praise God that Galatians 5 tells us that it was for freedom that he set you free. Amen. What does that mean, church? It means that it wasn't just to unlock the doors of the cage, but it was the life that you were supposed to live after. Oh, amen. 
Come on now. You have been brought out of there as far as your slavery is concerned. We're not talking about a base hit. We're talking about the <clears throat> calling my shot, home run, total domination kind of victory that God brings. Total domination. That brings us to step three. Step trio. Trio. Out of Deuteronomy 7, 17, and it begins with clinching with a very dark fact. And that is you're going to face not those nations, not them nations, these nations. These nations. That's what you're going to face. And when you face these nations, you may say to yourself a little something. That may sound like, how? Just like that. So when you say to yourself, how? That's about another octave above. That's all I can do. Matthew was a Prince fan when he was young. <laughs> oh, I could play basketball pretty good. That's <laughs> when you say to yourself, how? You got to turn into it. Come on. Turn into it with a zakar, zakar. Remembering well what the Lord did to Pharaoh, so how much more will he do to these nations? When you have that Zakar, Zakar confidence, you can then mount an offensive and begin to look at those seven nations and say, yeah, moreover. Moreover. Come on, somebody say moreover. Moreover. Moreover, um, moreover is going to take care of the leftovers, and it's going to do it little by little. That brought us to step four, which began in Deuteronomy 1, uh, Deuteronomy 8, 1 through 5. These are remembering the supernatural leadings of the Lord. This passage begins with encouraging us that God wants us to increase. You were never supposed to live a life of spiritual decrease. He always wanted a life of increase. The best day of your life is not the day you got saved or you may not have actually been saved. The best day of your life is every day thereafter because it is increasing. He says to increase and possess the land. See, not only are we increasing, we're possessing more of what God wants for us. Look, when we remember his track record in leading us, anybody found out that that he actually leads you better than you follow? Absolutely. Yeah, it's his track record that we're extolling, that he is able to lead such as we are. It's his track record in our lives. He then begins to talk to them. He says, look, you remember I made you hungry and then I fed you? This equates to him bringing us to a cycle of need, followed by recognizing his lead. He causes you to have a need in an area so that he can lead you as his son into victory. This shows up in many ways. It actually proves that you're a son of God. But I love when Jesus says, you know, Father, glorify your name and uh, glorify me with the glory I had with you from the beginning in John 12. And the answer comes from heaven. I have glorified it. And I will glorify it. This is how you should think of your salvation walk. He has done glorious things. He will do glorious things. It's not a life of decrease. In fact, 
He has led us and he will lead us. Well, that brings to mind for me how he has led me. And I just, I go back to the beginning, right? On day one, I wasn't just let out of the cage. His spirit was leading me into ever increasing freedom. It was for freedom that Christ set me free and a freedom that is ongoing. Well, that freedom caused in me a dependency of his leading. His leading at every major decision. His presence was there to lead me into his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. You know what he led me to, into? He led me into a family of God. The perfect family that I needed. That had a perfect brotherhood. With men that would stand with me shoulder to shoulder and do God's will. He led me to the perfect job that would shape, cultivate, and mold me into the man of God that I am today. But it didn't just stop with that. He gave me the perfect wife. Ooh. Oh, he did. He did. And she I, got on her dirty teacher glasses today, too. She does. I'm going to have her teach me a lesson later. Not only was Miss Cassidy the perfect bride for me, there's a testimony that we can tell you later about the perfect day that we were married. That perfect day that we were married just so happened to be May 23rd. Hey. Uh-oh. That's today. Twenty-three years today. Oh, come on! It's a golden day. Well, you know what? I can't help but look at my bride right now and see her as my radiant, capable, anointed, powerful, overwhelmingly magical bride that she is to me. Perspirations forming. Honey, why don't you come on down here with me real quick? Okay. There was a day when I sang a song that was titled, One is the Loneliest Number. But on that perfect day with my perfect bride, that's no longer true. I want to do something right now. I want to pray for my bride. Mighty God, I thank you for leading me to this woman of God. That you have given her as the perfect easer next to me. Lord, that with her we will accomplish your kingdom purpose in our lives. We will fulfill our mezuzah and raise up generations that will do what we do and even more. I thank you for this beautiful and wonderful woman of God. In the name of Jesus, I bless her. Amen. Amen. And to that. Yes. See, Pastor Matt got all excited about the beginning of his testimony. That's a good testimony. Yeah. I want to talk to you about some of the middle years in our testimony. This, this was, there was not only just a beginning, and that was great, but his leading is increasing in my life. I found out that as I was thinking back and actually chronicling and doing my homework to go through the remembers, I realized how much he was leading me in the middle years. 
See, at first it was big picture items like a job, a marriage, having children. But then I began to see how he was leading me in everyday kind of situations, in every way. Somebody say, that's increasing. I remember in the middle years of my testimony, I remember getting here and seeing my son and the transformation that happened as we were trying to dig our way out of a uh, mud pit. Well, it, it, it looked like mud. It smelled like something else. Well, we were digging our way out of something in Mexico that took us 22 hours to do it. And what I saw was what God was doing in my son. He was leading now, not just me, not just me and my wife, but even my children. I remember as God was leading my children to be born of the spirit right here in this very church. Church, I remember going to Mozambique. I remember going to Mozambique and actually seeing the book of Acts in real life. I had always wondered what it would be like to be there in Acts 2, to see what happened in an Acts 10 kind of way. I don't have to wonder anymore because I've seen it with my own eyes. I've experienced and laid my hands on people and watched the very things that happened in the book of Acts. Then God led me to an incredible ministry team. I mean, the team of your dreams, a dream ministry team. I watched God continue to increase in my life See, pastor's not the only one that has an an excellent bride. Perfect for him. But I've seen God leading me in my family. I've seen the discipleship of my wife into ever-increasing powerful ministry. Man, there's something special about the beginning. But there's also something special about those middle times when you can see that God never stopped. As a matter of fact, he's only increasing in how he's leading us. See, he led in the beginning. He led through the middle years. I'm going to tell you he's leading us now. Yeah. When you've been doing your homework, the first few days are usually easy because you remember the singular event. That's what you talk about. As you get into the middle years, it, it seems to get a little more difficult. Did, did you all find that? Yeah. It's the very reason we need to be doing this. There's a unique phenomenon at the end, though. The devil wars against this process. And so what happens is most Christians live with this idea that, you know, I think I was closer to the Lord at some other point. It is. It's a lie from the enemy. I want to tell you as you go through the leadings of the Spirit that you need to focus equally on the last five years. You really do. I, I, I think that the beginning is amazing. I think that the middle is amazing and supernatural. They're building years. But we never need to forget, downplay, or diminish the more recent leadings simply because some of them are still in a digestion period. And see, it's you feel a nudge and you're not sure that it was the Lord until it happens. Right. We need to learn to get sure before it happens. Oh, yeah. This is represented with things like this map on this wall. See, the Lord in the last five years just in this church has led this body of believers to claim a swan. And it's spreading through the whole one association. In this body, Israel is represented. That's a calling that I know is in place, that has been led, and it will happen. And it's spreading through the one association. Yeah. Now, 
I may not be able to spell Azerbaijan, but I can tell you we will have generations in that place. I know for sure that the Lord has led it because independent families from one another in separate locations are hearing the same things. We're starting to dial in to the leading of the Spirit. We need to remember that. The Browns, they're going to be in Lacey. Uh, Washington here in just a few hours, right? Yeah, um, by the end of the day. God has led us into 12 domestic churches called 12 Springs. We don't have 12 yet, but we're going to. It's in the gestation period. Do not downplay the things that he has told you that you are still waiting to see fulfilled. I know sitting in this room right now, as surely as I know that I'm saved, there are future pastors in here. Better than that. I know who the future pastors of this church are and knew it before they knew it. That is God's leading in our lives. You want to be able to chronicle it. You want to be able to recount it. You want to be able to relive it. And that makes the next step even more beautiful. Come on now, as we're working through step four, it calls us to remember how God led us, how he nudged us, how he pointed us in the right direction. We are about to get to step five. Everybody say step five. Step Step five. five. Step five is even more than that. Step five is even more than just being led or pointed in the right direction. Step five is how you are enabled to accomplish what God leads you into. It's all right. We're going to say that again. Step five is the empowerment of God to enable you to accomplish what God has just led you into. This is going to be a powerful time for us today. Are you ready to focus on our next step? Step five. Go to Deuteronomy chapter eight. We're going to pick up in verse 10. Say step five when you're there. Not week five. That's something else altogether. Step five. You just stalled me there for a minute, Pastor. I'm trying to help, brother. Oh, yeah. All right, verse 10. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you today. Verse 11 emphasizes be careful. This word be careful in Hebrew is the word shamar. To guard, to watch over, to protect. But this is how it's applying to us in this passage. You have got to guard those memories of what God's given you. Wait, I got you. I'm going to help you guys out. Thank you. Y'all ready to know what it's like to guard your memories that are trying to escape? Think about like a jailbreak. Okay, that, that didn't do it, but let, let, me, let, me, tell, let me get it. Let me help the you out. The few of them that know what a jailbreak is don't want to admit to having been there. I don't know what that is. Yeah, means. that wasn't me. I mean, like the kind of jailbreak that happens on the last day of school. I mean, like when a high school kid is going to run over anybody in their way to get out of that school building towards the summer vacation. Nick Rosales. That is what your memories are like. Nick Rosales. He's like gone, ran over everybody. That's what your memories try to do to you. They try to escape. 
They ain't waiting for the bell. They're trying to leave before they can to find freedom. You got to guard it, church. You got to work to keep those memories in right where they're supposed to be. Did you see that verse 10 said, when you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. And then in verse 11, after eating and being satisfied, be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God. Recently, Bajirajina treated uh, our family to an extraordinary meal. And I, I got to tell you, this brought back memories of how difficult it can be to get the people that you love all at the same table. Any mamas in here can relate to that? Look, if you've ever tried to schedule a family event, something happens priorities come up different things like a bird flies by and a two-year-old is going the wrong way it's like herding cats to get everybody at the same table and after you've eaten you forget all about that i want to tell you that you have to guard the memories of what god has done with more intensity than it takes to organize those family photos or those family dinners <laughs> All hell breaks loose and tries to keep them from being seated at the king's table in your mind. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, I, I, I got one. Okay. Pastor was talking about guarding and sitting at a table. I am thinking about those times between sitting at the table. Those meals between meals. <laughs> or as we like to call them for our conscience sake, snacks. <laughs> I'm thinking about those favorite snacks, my keto, favorable to diabetic kind of snacks. Those chocolate shakes in the fridge, those chocolate indulgence bars in the pantry, those very ones that are stored underneath my pillow. Because my kids have a way of finding them and consuming them and letting me know after the fact that they've eaten my favorite snacks. That's true. Yes, you did, Sydney. Yes. <laughs> There's some history to that. that when, when we're removing from one house to another, upon removing the, uh, the kids' beds, there was a plethora of rappers that were Tootsie Roll rappers. There were enough Tootsie Roll rappers and Jolly Rancher rappers under one 80-pound little girl's mattress to cover the space shuttle for reentry. Oh, it was. It totally was. In addition to those rappers, there were also disciplinary spoons. So they were hiding judgment right next to their offense. Yes, you did, <laughs> Chloe. <laughs> that is a true story. So, so true. So back to my favorite snacks that my kids will always steal. I just noticed that Natalie's like, I'm so glad I'm not in that family <laughs> yeah. anymore. That's not me. I, had to, I, I still have to hide my snacks around the house all the time. I have to guard them. I have to watch over them. Put them on their lock and key. Stand as a sentry, armed and ready for any intruder. If you think I'm hangry now, wait till you start stealing my snacks. But it's also another condition that's going on. I have spiritual diabetes. I have to manage my spiritual condition. I have to guard the spiritual snacks that I received at the king's table because God intended these to be my spiritual snack of nourishment for the future. I got to guard these things, man. 
Friends, we have a fine way of after the hunger has been satisfied, forgetting that you ever had the hunger in the first place. Let's, let's pick up in verse 12. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and all you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of there, out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Notice something. God is walking through the previous remembers with them. He's talking about the day they were uh, stood in his presence, the day they were let out of, of slavery. He's talking about the way that they were led. You're going to find out that throughout the book of Deuteronomy, there's seven times that God is telling them to remember. But as each remember comes along, within each step, there are repetitions of the previous steps. He's actually helping you to remember while he's telling you to remember. Because there's an important fact, and I want you to get this. Remembering repeatedly secures us as sons. Oh, amen. I'm going to say it again for yeah. you, because that was yeah. better than you understand it. Yeah. Remembering repeatedly secures us as sons, and that's what God is doing in this house. Look, the clarity is this. What was first unattainable, what was first out of this world, and even supernatural... And those things because you couldn't do it unless he led you into it. It makes you susceptible once he has. And so it feels natural. It feels normal. It feels nominal because you are now doing it. See, what, what was once so far beyond you that you saw as miraculous when it could be done? After you can do it, it just kind of feels like, well, yeah. of course. Yeah. As we were talking about this concept of eating and being satisfied and what it does, I couldn't help but think about Jennifer and I's first little apartment. It was about 420 square feet. It took 70% of our income to do, but that's, that's not really what the issue was. We had Bible studies in our home every single week, and there were 50, 60, 70 people coming to this tiny place. You remember that, David? Yeah, it was incredible. And we had no idea how we could feed them because we could, we, we could barely feed ourselves. And this led to the most interesting thing. We're standing in Kroger's. Do they have those in Texas? Yeah. Praise God, I hadn't had to shop since we were in Louisiana. She's been doing it all, all since. In those days, we shopped together. And, and you know why we shopped together? Because every, every nickel, every quarter really, really counted. And I remember standing in the Kroger looking and I really wanted a certain kind of, it was, I think it was butter, to be honest. I really wanted like the butter that I grew up with. But they, you know, they have these cheap crappy brands that the store sells. <laughs> Janet Lee. It was Janet Lee butter. And we're having to debate because we can't afford not only the good brand, we can't afford the Janet Lee. And all of the people are coming. And... We want to represent, I mean, we're quoting Proverbs 13, 25, you know, the righteous eat till their heart's content and the bellies of the wicked grow hungry. And we're trying to figure out how to stretch forward. And, and this was daily life. Now, I want to tell you, everybody ate every week. 
I want to tell you, God did miracles through that time, and they're on my list of remembers. But then it occurred to me. I walk downstairs in the middle of the night, and I throw open the fridge today, and I totally take for granted that there's food in it. I totally take for I remember the first time I successfully obtained Bluebell ice cream. That's a good one to remember, Pastor. And the difference between the Janet Lee and Bluebell was miraculous. <laughs> but now, if I throw open the fridge and I see Bluebell in there, I do not fall on my knees and thank the God of heaven. I want to tell you something. If it was supernatural on day one, it's still supernatural. Come on. We cannot allow these things to become natural, normal, or nominal. Yeah. If we re remember them repeatedly, it secures us as a son in the sovereignty and divine movement of God. Amen. He gave me the capability, and I still have it, and I'll have it tomorrow, and it's no less supernatural today than it was then. Amen. Look, the passage goes on to speak about building fine houses and settling down. You know, this looks like for me is that 23 years ago today, I was supernaturally possessing an apartment all on my own that I brought my bride across the threshold into. It was a, an apartment complex called Old London Town in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. <laughs> It makes Sedona here in Michigan look like the Ritz Carlton. Look, uh, it's important that we handle the word of God correctly. Do you remember when Ehud stabbed Eglon? Whatever leaked out fell in old London town. There was an abundance of acacia trees there. There, obtaining now my first apartment, and a bride to be with me in it. It was out of this world. A fulfillment of a, a promise and progression that God was maturing in my life. If at that time, Eric would have come over and said, Hey, one day in the future, you're going to live on Fuerte Drive. It's going to be a cul-de-sac. You'll have more room in a house to not only fit your family, but other families to be with you. You'll be able to walk outside your door and you'll see your ministry partners across the street every single day. You'll have elders also on that cul-de-sac and disciples that have sold everything they have to be on there and so much more that would cut off their left leg to live on Fuerte Drive. I would have said that's the most alien thought I could ever imagine. Completely out of this world. Well, what I realize now is how many times I do walk out my door and it's just normal. It's nominal. It's just natural. It's, it's part of our everyday life. I got this to take care of and that to take care of. Man, when I begin to see the same supernatural work that God did in old London town apartments is the same supernatural work that's going on every day that I live on Fuerte Drive. As I turn away from seeing the natural, the normal, nominal, and just begin to remember repeatedly, it's what makes me and my household into secure sons. The passage goes on to say and begin to speak about the herds and the flocks growing, the gold and the silver increasing, everything you have multiplying. 
I immediately begin to remember a particular time when we were living in Austin. Our budget, we were upside down. We had to spend more than what we made to the tune of $1,000 to $1,500 a month. And I remember one particular month because we were balancing our checkbook. Because if you didn't balance it, it was going to die anyway. We were balancing it and we realized that we paid every obligation. We met everything. We gave our tithes first. We were scrimping and saving and being diligent. And we finished and I calculated it and we had one penny left in our account. One penny. We danced around the kitchen. We oh, hallelujah! We got something left. We got a penny. True story. Brought tears to our eyes. This is one of the first times since it's happened that I can say it without crying because it was so moving. It was so supernatural. Now, we're responsible to see three pastoral families taken care of. To make sure that our international pastors always have their needs met. Without fail. We are giving as a church to make sure that the one association can thrive and our other brothers have what they need. We have ministry obligations to the tunes of tens of thousands of dollars a month. And it can make that feel normal, natural, even nominal. It's just what we do. How is it that I can go from dancing in my kitchen, tears streaming down our face, Going, God, you are supernatural for a penny. And now we're in a time of such abundance that those things can become natural. Church, there's something important that we're trying to get you to grasp today. If you remember repeatedly, it is no less supernatural. It is more supernatural what God does in us every day. If you remember repeatedly, this will secure you as sons. Amen. This is what we've got to get today. What was so uncommon as to be thought unobtainable to you? After you are doing it because God has given you the ability to do so can never become common. Yeah? Let's pick up in verse 15. Are you all with me? Yes. He led you. Come on. Yeah. Not your neighbor. Not somebody else. He led you. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness. That thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and scorpions. Yeah, I've met a lot of those through the years. Sounds like a lot of family reunions right there. <laughs> he brought you water out of a hard rock. I, I want you to catch something. It's true that the Hebrew is plural here, but I want you to engage with this for a second. Did he give millions of people water? Yes. But did he give it to you? You are to remember the things that he has done for you. This is what makes your relationship with him a personal one and not a distant one. He brought you water out of a hard rock. He gave 
You, manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end, it might go well with you. What is God aiming you at? That it goes well with you. Look, after 40 years of this kind of behavior, where God is leading them, anything that you do for 40 years, if you're not careful, it becomes natural, normal, nominal. He's now walked them through the first four remembers that we've been walking you through. Because remembering repeatedly, it brings security to your relationship with him. You become a secure son when you do not forget what he has done, is doing, and will do in your life. Church, we have to remember that he defeated enemies. Foreign, domestic, internal, external. He defeated nations. He even defeated nature and the snakes and scorpions. God has done these things, and we have to remember well what's going on. We have to remember how he led you, how he fed you, how he humbled and tested you. Because his aim is making you into a secure son, and repeatedly remembering this, we'll do that. In verse 17. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. Now, I want to be clear. Most of you probably would not say that phrase because you've read that phrase before. But when you treat God's enablements as natural, normal, or nominal... It's pretty well the same thing as saying that, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah, it is. Remembering repeatedly is meant to secure you as a son. When we don't, we end up taking for granted the enablements that are supposed to produce a storehouse of gratefulness inside of you. When you don't remember, you begin to take for granted the very things that God has done. Look, do this for me. Flash in your mind for a minute to what you could not do the day before you were born again. But it is now commonplace in your life. See, we can't treat these things as commonplace. When I begin to think like that, the first thing that came to my my mind is he supernaturally gave me the ability to understand his word. It was a night and day difference. I read it and it might as well have been in another language. And then once I was born of the spirit, I couldn't believe that the God of the universe would show me things that other men couldn't see. And I felt special as his son. For me, the first thing that came to mind was a supernatural way in which God ignited a fire in my soul and the ability to play the guitar. Before, I stood in amazement at musicians. I was like a monkey staring at a a computer. I had no idea how this is going to work, and I would just make a mess. But now, as a son, there is a supernatural enablement to pick up that guitar and consume playing it because his enablement was at work within me. I remember before I was born of the Spirit, I had no vision. I had no direction in my life. 
but a divine enablement that allowed me to have vision, to uh, have prophetic insight into what must happen, what must happen next. I did not have that, but there was a divine enablement that was given to me right from the beginning. Where on day one, he began showing me how to understand his word. You know what happened? Over time, I was like, well, of course. Because once it's a part of you, you forget that it wasn't. And then he began moving me towards having to inspire other men towards righteousness. I'm like, um, like I'm just now myself uh, inspired towards righteousness. How do I get somebody else to be interested in that? But he enabled me to. And unfortunately, over time, like now we just, yeah, that's Eric. That's what happens. No, no. It is a supernatural endowment. Hey, speaking of supernatural enablement, I went from learning how to play the guitar in a, a supernatural gifting way, going from just knowing one chord to three chords, one song to 10 songs to 15, 20, even more. And someone said, hey, Matt, why don't you lead us into God's presence? And I went, no, I can't do that. I needed supernatural power to do so. And over the course of time, I watched that supernatural power on day one of propelling people into his presence continue even more into year one, year 10, year 15, and such and so on. That was securing me as a son and a continuation of his supernatural power. From day one, God's divine enablement allowed me to begin to see and have a prophetic understanding what he added to that, what he increased in my life. Even after that moment, he began in teaching me. He began to divinely impart to me, give me a divine ability to begin to preach. That is not where I came from. I did not have an ability to get up in front of a group of people and move them and try to inspire them. But God gave me a divine enablement to do so. Do you understand that once we're given an ability, you can forget what it was like when you didn't have it? You can forget. It's not that you say, God, no, I I don't believe you gave me that. You just act like it's normal now, no longer special. Look, we we put together a chart that we just want to show you uh, for a second, and each of us can, can walk through it a little bit. Where it started for me was understanding the word and then moving in enablement to inspire men unto righteousness. Then learning to see the God calling in other men. We can take that for granted now, but I remember when it wasn't there. Like, hey, pastor, what do you think I should do? I got no idea what you should do. (laughs) Then to develop leaders into maturity. Then began planting a church. You know, We kind of take that for granted. It's easy to do like, well, yeah, that happened. Yeah, I I remember what a a supernatural enablement it took for that to happen. Then to empower other pastors to plant churches. Then, do you know how shocking it is to, to have to counsel other pastors? Like it's one thing when you're talking to a lost relative who has no idea what the word is. You know what the Bible says about that? Don't. What about when you're talking to masters of the word? Okay. These were divine. And I want you to notice the one in red is not where it stopped. 
the ones in yellow, you had to throw caution to the wind. By the time you get to the green zone, friend, that's where I stand now, and I'm going to keep going. I'm not going to stop. I know that day one was supernatural, and so I know that every day thereafter has been supernatural. Look, that day one of supernatural for me began with learning how to play the guitar, but praise God, for my sake and for your sake, it didn't stop with just that. It was a supernatural endowment of ability and power to propel people into his presence and then coming to that point of leading a home. There was a point in time when I would freeze like a deer in the headlights when it came to giving direction to my home. But God's supernatural power enabled me to do it. This led into me being able to make and lead other Christians, making disciples And it took God's supernatural power to do that in the very beginning. And it's something that is a a part of my life that I I see as normal. But need to see it as a continuation of the supernatural power that did in the first place. That's also maximizing others' marriages. That mine began to grow. And it took God's same supernatural gifting to make other people's marriages grow. Then progressing to teaching the apostles' doctrine. That it's so embedded inside of me that I'm helping others through the supernatural endowment of power that God gives to hold to that same foundation. And then standing in what you see in green, inspired preaching that is in view of the whole world. Look, there's a comfortability that I had with just sitting down at a kitchen table and sharing the word. But stepping up. And preaching a word that moves the hearts of men and women of God and is available to view by the whole world in a matter of hours, that took and continues to take God's (laughs) supernatural power to do it. Church, I want to walk you through mine as well quickly, but I want you to see something as we're going through it. I first started off needing the vision of having prophetic insight into the heavens. Then the Lord added, everybody say added, added, He added to that ability to be able to inspire other people with what he was now showing me. And then he added, everybody say added, added, he added something to me that now seems very plain and normal to everybody. Well, of course it's pastor Wade. Of course he's got a pastor's heart. It must've been there from the beginning. It wasn't. God gave it to me. He gave me a supernatural ability to be able to actually care about every person in the room. Like legitimately, for real. He gave that to me as another level of divine enablement. We were all amazed. (laughs) That's true. It was supernatural, I promise. Then, but having a heart for you isn't enough. He then had to show me and enable me to help me get your life in the right order. And then it wasn't just the individual lives. It grew into strengthening parenting and helping to perfect your, your very family. That's what God has enabled me to do. Now it may feel normal to equip you, future ministers, every week, all the time, every day. But it's supernatural. And now as we continue and you see the building of each of these onto another, now it's a supernatural enablement to have the right word for the hundreds of people that are in this room in a daily fashion. But that wasn't there from the beginning. It was supernatural when it, when it was given to me. And it is supernatural now. I will not treat it like it's normal or nominal or natural. I'm going to remember repeatedly so I can be secure as a son. Before we leave this chart, 
I get it. You're sitting out there. We're 47 minutes in. It is freezing in this room. Get full of the Holy Ghost. It'll warm you up. We're not just describing the growth of a uh, uh, natural growth of a Christian. What we're actually describing is the accumulation of supernaturally in, in, enabled gifts. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. really what we're talking about. And there's a reason that we're doing it. Can we get to Deuteronomy 18 and uh, the first part of the verse? Actually, we have a slide for this. Deuteronomy 18a. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability. That word is koach, for ability there. And we are now delineating step five. I'm talking Cinco de Mayo, right? <laughs> this is, this is going to be a whole new Independence Day for you. The fact that God gives you the ability, a supernatural ability. See, the thing about abilities is, is that when you don't have it, you know how supernatural it is when you get it. Yeah. But after a time, what was once seen as supernatural now just feels normal. What was once unattainable has now been obtained. And so its value can be, be underappreciated, undervalued, and even overlooked. What was once seen as out of this world, as far as in the realm of possibilities, well, it's now seen as completely within your world. It's not a probability anymore. It's now in the present. And so that just has a way of feeling normal, natural, or nominal. But if it was a supernatural on day one, it's supernatural every day thereafter. The more we can cultivate that kind of repeated remembrance, yeah. the more you will walk in the divine power of God. Amen. But we want to talk to you about koach. Take a look at this slide to help you understand what the word koach is all about. We've taken this and we've shown it to you in the senses that they are used throughout the word. You can see that it's strength. He gives you the ability, the, the strength to be able to do something. The power, physical power and metaphorical power. The, whatever power you need, it is there. He gives it to you because he is a good God. Then it moves as we're going around to the right. It gives you the ability. This is what we're talking about, a supernatural, divinely implemented ability that you now have that you didn't before. Now, look at the last three. Kind of interesting. Yeah. Crops. We're still on the same word, koach. Strength, power, ability, crop. What is that speaking to? But the very fact that any time that there is growth in your life, you may be able to find a seed you may be able to plant a seed, but you can't send the rain or cause that seed to grow. There is something supernatural that even in things that look to the normal person like they don't have anything to do with this, you're finding that at the core, it is koach that's needed to even produce crops. Now, you're aware that you can't make it grow because the Newer Testament says that, and that rings true with you. You know what else you can't do? Make your own seed. See, he had to give you the seed. You can put it in the ground, but then he makes it grow. The Hebrews describe that as koach. He gives you a desire, hunger, yeah. and he satisfies it. Amen. And it is him that does this. Yes. The next word is possession. No, no, no. But I bought that. Oh, see, that's where verse 17 comes in, isn't it? 
You'll say by the strength of your own hand. No, I bought that out of my own pocketbook. Did you? Loud volume. This is so fantastic. A clock. This one instance in the word is from Isaiah. And it is the ability to be able to praise him loudly because of what he's done. Hallelujah! Come on, Josiah Micaiah Spice. Let me hear you shout. Koach. 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 That's supernatural because when they got here, we could not get them to verbalize anything. There we go. Let's look at our next slide. It's a definition for Koach. Strong's number 3581. A masculine noun meaning power, strength. It is a general term referring to power or might in many different settings. The strength of people, referencing Judges 16, Samson, the prophet, filled with the power and spirit of the Lord, as in Micah 3.8. It indicates all the benefits and gains a person has accumulated. See, it's not just that he gives you a supernatural ability. It's not just that you get to keep that supernatural ability. It's that you are accumulating supernatural abilities somebody say amen in the house amen. of god we're going to show you three uses for the hebrew word koach law prophets and writings the first one starts in exodus 9 and verse 16 but i have raised you up for this very purpose so that i might show you my power koach or ability and that my name might be proclaimed in all the earth. Do you realize that this is being said of Pharaoh in Egypt? Come on now, church. This verse is to Pharaoh. See, the purpose was that God was going to showcase his koach, his ability to the whole world through his interaction with Pharaoh. All right, so let's get this clear. If he did it, did this through an enemy... How much more, how much more will he do this through his sons? So say with me, moreover, moreover, look, we need to repeatedly remember these supernatural abilities that secure us as sons. You want to go to the prophets? Yeah. We're going to be in judges chapter 16, verse 15. Then she said to him, can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? I think we'll need to do more marriage counseling than we have time for if I expound on the reason you connect with that verse. This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great koach. Look, it wouldn't be a secret if it wasn't a divine enablement, but it was. With such nagging, she prodded him day after day until he was sick to death of it. <laughs> so true. So he told her everything. Yeah. No razor has ever been used on my head, he said, because I have been a Nazarite dedicated to God from my mother's womb. 
If my head were shaved, my koach, my divine ability, would leave me. And I would be as weak as any other man. Church, there are two times here in this passage that koach is being used. You heard pastor point them out. The first is found in the English phrase, the secret of your great strength. This temptress, this wicked woman recognizes that something of a supernatural nature is going on in the life of Samson. That there's a secret, heavenly, divine ability that is at work and she's witness to it. The problem for Samson is that what is so supernatural, what is such a divine koach ability, has become common. It's become normal, natural. And so he is devaluing it by sharing it with a prostitute, by sharing it with a whore. That's a garden utensil. Let's say it a different way. A man that had the divine ability to crush the enemies of God. He gives up all of it so that the knacking of a wicked woman would cease. When what is supernatural becomes just natural to you, you are literally giving up the supernatural for natural things. We're going to have to remember repeatedly. We're going to have to honor our king in our memories for the divine abilities that secure us as sons. Turn with us to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. You are going to want to tune in because what we have going in here is becoming some of our favorite parts of what God has shared with us to share with you today. 1 Chronicles 29 and verse 1, it says this. Hey, hey, hey. Y'all all paying attention? Let the Spirit of God come on you right now and shake off the charred flax, okay? What we have is important enough to occupy your actual attention right here. While you're on this mountain, be on this mountain, okay? 1 Chronicles 29 and verse 1 says this, Then King David said to the whole assembly, My son Solomon, the one whom God has chosen, is young and inexperienced. The task is great because this palatial structure is not for man, but for the Lord your God. Verse 2. With all my resources, all my koach, the Nazbi says all my abilities, the Amplified says all my might, with all my koach, I have provided for the temple of the Lord my God. Gold for the gold work, silver for the silver, bronze for the bronze, iron for the iron, and wood for the wood, as well as onyx for the settings. Turquoise, stones of various colors, and all kinds of fine stone and marble. All of these in large quantities. Besides that, in my devotion to the temple of my God, I now give my personal treasures of gold and silver for the temple of my God over and above everything I have provided for this temple. My, my church, there's a gem in this passage. He says, with all my resources, with all my koach, my divine enablements and abilities, this this list of treasures are more than just fiscal contributions. These are the result, the spoils of the divine enablement for David and his mighty fighting men to conquer nations. Look, in in case you're not getting that, David was divinely enabled to defeat Goliath. We received rewards for that. 
And it wasn't the first Philistine or the last Philistine that he kills. In fact, he goes on to Moabites. He goes on to Zoab and Hadadezer, the Armenians. He conquers cities and nations. He lays down Edom and Moab and every two-thirds of the cord puts them to death. He does it to the Ammonites and Amalek. The scripture declares that he was given victory wherever he went. 2 Samuel 8, we're not going to turn to it for time's sake, but it literally declares that the God who gave David victories everywhere that he went allowed him to collect spoils from it. See, God empowers him to victory and the gold, the silver, the bronze, all of it came from the supernatural ability to conquer the enemy. David actually built the temple with the divine ability God gave him to defeat the enemy. There's a message there. The scripture is right in saying, with all my koach. He's not saying with all my bank account. He's saying with all of the divine ability that God has given me, I am providing now for this. He's actually properly remembering. See, church, David was not an enemy that was used to showcase God's abilities like Pharaoh. David was not a disobedient son that was used to showcase God's ability like Samson. David is like you. David is like you. His koach, his abilities were shown through the accumulation of divine enablements that God's providing for him. This is because for David, they never became normal, natural, or nominal. They were supernatural endowments that he repeatedly remembered and became secure as a son. We're going to go back to Deuteronomy 8.18. And there is something so special here that, uh, well, it's been difficult to wait this long to get to it. Deuteronomy 8.18. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability. What's that word? Koach. To produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant, which he swore to your ancestors, as it is to this day. Ability to produce what? Wealth. Yeah, there's a reason that we haven't been focusing on wealth in this message. In fact, I I know what some of you will hear no matter what I say. But we want to show you what the LXX actually says about this. Take a look here. It says, and you shall remember... The Lord your God, that he gives to you strength. He gives to you koach to produce the ability that he should establish his covenant. He gives to you the koach to be able to produce the ability. The word there for the ability, since this, this is the LXX, the Greek word is Greek. Number 1411, that word for to be able to produce the ability is dunamis. See, the more divine enablement, the ability is that he gives strength to produce or accumulate more divine enablement. See, we're not talking about wealth at all. What we're actually talking about is koach, strength, to be able... To have more divine enablement. 
neither Hebrew word demand for this to be wealth as in resources. And when you move to the Greek, this is the Hebrew people wanting the Greek world to understand what they're talking about. Wealth is nowhere present. In fact, both words have to do with strength and, and enablement. Yeah. Look, consider this church. Had the saints in the upper room been given divine enablement to be born of his spirit in his presence? Yes. Had the saints in the upper room been given divine enablement to be freed from the slavery of Pharaoh? Yes. Had the saints in the upper room been given divine enablement to be led all the way? Yes. Their divine enablement, their koach, was always aimed at something more, and it's not wealth. In fact, it's more divine enablement called dunamis. Let's pick up in Acts 1.8. Now, the reason we asked you the questions about the upper room, these people have already had a saving experience. These people have already experienced the leading of God's presence. They've already experienced the washing and the renewal of the Holy Spirit. In other words, they're in the salvation journey. They've already shown what the Hebrews would call koach, divine enablement. But that kind of divine enablement, it leads you to something. It leads you to what the Septuagint calls dunamis. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power. Somebody say power. 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 That is the same word that the LXX uses to replace wealth in Deuteronomy 8. We were never talking about your accumulation of material goods. We're talking about the strength to keep accumulating divine yes. enablements. Yes. In other words, it was never one stop and then done. It was a life that was always growing in Come spiritual on. fervor, in spiritual power. But you will receive dunamis power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. These sons of God have been freed from their slavery. They've been let out of the cage. They are walking in the new life of freedom. They have koach, divine ability, but they are about to receive dunamis, even more divine enablement. They are receiving power to receive these abilities. Oh, you know what this is? This is Moreover, moreover, that's what it is. They're going to face the giants of Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. They're going to be endowed with divine abilities, with dunamis abilities. And they're cute that they're accumulating through the work of the spirit. Somebody say that they're accumulating. Accumulating. See, God wants you as a secure son to showcase his yes. abilities. And you accumulate them as long as you remember them and treasure them and continue to practice them. This only happens when we repeatedly remember the capabilities that he has given you, is giving you, and will give you yes. to proclaim his name to all the earth. Everybody look at Revelation 12, 10. This is something that's quoted all of the time, but you, you need to see it. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation. Somebody say salvation. Salvation. And salvation and the power. Dunamis. Yeah. Okay, I, I'm going to work at this with you for just a second. Every time the word and is on the screen and I come to it, 
you yell and. Now have come the salvation, the power, the kingdom of our God, the authority of Messiah. Do you see how these are accumulations? They are a journey. They are a progression. First comes salvation, and that is empowering in and of itself. That's koach, but there is more dunamis on the way. Yes. And it leads to the kingdom of our God. And that, that showcases the authority of our Messiah. Come on, church. How is it important is it to repeatedly remember the capabilities, the koach, the dunamis that he is giving, that he has given, and that he will give you in this house? Mm. Look, as this verse states, the accuser, he's been hurled down. God's kingdom is lifted high and his dunamis power is being accumulated inside of you. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ Power, his dunamis, may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, and persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's, let me, we want to read to you Second Peter chapter 1. And let me read it to you, verses 3 and 4. His divine power has given us everything that we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, through these divine empowerments, through this dunamis, through this koach, if it's in the Hebrew, through his divine impartation that he has given us his very great and precious promise so that through them you may participate in divine nature. That you may be able to be walk in an ever-increasing, ever-growing, ever-on-growing kind of way of God's power being seen in you. That you can participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in this world caused by our evil desires. Let's return to step five as we're closing our message. I, I, I want to make sure that you get this because it is really a different perspective than most people have on this verse. It is really empowering to borrow a pun. Look at Deuteronomy 8.18 from this slide, please. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability. We taught you about the word koach so that you would understand this is a divinely enabled ability to produce wealth. We taught you about dunamis, the Greek translation of this passage, so that you would understand God doesn't consider your bank accounts wealth. That's, that's not the real wealth. That you might have the divine ability to be able to continually receive new empowerment from heaven. Amen. That's what this verse is teaching, and there's a reason for it. Look at this last part. And so confirms his covenant. Your bank account will never confirm your covenant. But you know what does confirm your covenant? Every time there is a new supernatural enablement in your life. Every time he does something like that. His leading is proof of sonship. But those divine enablements he gives you, 
The scripture calls them confirmations of his covenant with you. We want you to begin to list the confirmations in your life. And if we had time to teach on it, I would, I would tell you that this proved to Peter that Gentiles, Gentiles were not only saved, it was confirmed that they're sons of God because he saw them receiving dunamis. That's what the Bible might consider wealth. Maybe we could... Uh, Maybe we could just look at all of our remembers together for a minute. Is that okay? Take a look at this slide. You've got to remember the day you first stood in the Lord's presence. Then you can remember that you were a slave and he brought you out of there. You remember what the Lord did to your primary enemy on day one to Pharaoh and moreover what he will do to the enemies that are still there. You've got to remember how the Lord, your God, has actually led you. And you are supposed to remember repeatedly the Lord, that the Lord, your God, gives you divine abilities. And through these divine empowerments, he then confirms his covenant with you. He confirms your sonship with him through these divine enablements. Now... There are some things that struck us before Matthew brings us to a close here. Look, at first, Moses has an encounter at a burning bush, and the Lord speaks to him. The Lord leads him. He has a monumental task ahead of him. You can imagine what that might be like, okay? God wanted to make sure that that never became commonplace to Moses, and he still hasn't done it. Look, while he's on the way to Egypt, I'm sure there's anxiety there. I'm sure he's daily dependent on the Lord. I'm sure that he is very aware of how unobtainable what he's been told to do is. In fact, in Exodus 3.12, Moses asked for a sign before he went because he was insecure about how difficult this task was. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. The sending sign. You got that? Say sending sign. Is when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. The sending sign is the completion of the task because it confirms that he received the divine enablement to do it or it couldn't have been done. See, every time you go through the kind of things that were on our chart and you realize, well, it started with being able to conceive, maybe. And then, for many of you, that is actually accurate. And then, how to instruct. And then, I prayed for it and there was healing. And then, you start to see that they are all confirmations of your covenant with God because there are abilities that you did not possess that you now do. Everybody stand to your feet. It's encouraging to us as pastors. You know, we've gone through this, this remember of how God has given us the ability experience ever more dunamis power in our life and that 
confirming of his covenant with us. As I began to pray, this altar is going to be open for that accumulation of experiencing his dunamis power. It's here that his presence resides. It's here that he will pour even more power into you as you set your face towards him, cry out for his name, and become secure sons even more so. Mighty God, Lord, we lift up to you our hearts and minds. Lord, we thank you for your ongoing ability to help us experience your dunamis power. That you are a good God. You are a good Father. And it's to you that we give you all the praise. It's to you that we give all the glory. And thank you for helping us remember what you have done and what you will do through your power in our lives. In the name of Jesus, amen.